Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of hosting Venkat Avsarla. Uh, Venkat is with Raven Multifamily. Along with his uh, partner, Ramana, uh, Venkat has been uh, pretty much owning all the uh, deals uh, by uh, syndicating them. They have just about uh, 3,000 doors and about $235 million of portfolio. Uh, given the hot pace of the market that they are in Texas, uh, they have pivoted their business plans into new constructions and things like that. So I want to kind of, uh, in this episode, dig into current state of the market where Dallas and sort of the primary markets are and why their company has shifted their focus. So uh, welcome to the show, Venkat. Thank you for taking time today. Thanks for having me, Sakar. Awesome. So as we always start, Venkat, uh, just give us a brief bio as to how your journey came along into uh, sort of first into this country and then perhaps how you kind of pivoted into real estate now. Sure. I'm from South India and I came to US back in 2002 to pursue my master's degree in electrical engineering. So once that is done, I uh, started working IT, did some consulting jobs and then bought a house and settled down in Dallas. Um, in 2006 mm-hmm. and then uh, worked at a couple of uh, fortune 500 companies my last job was with uh, bank of america uh, i was there for the last uh, from 2012 to 2018 mm-hmm. and then finally gave up my day job uh, in 20 in july of 2018 and started focusing full-time in multifamily. but i started multifamily investments back in 2007 uh, did a little bit single family homes like most of us sure uh, and then uh, those were foreclosures uh, and then 2008 through 2011, I was so scared to buy anything else because mortgage was a bad, bad word. <laughs> so, Especially uh, mortgage for real estate investor was like the doubly bad. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it was so bad. It's like uh, uh, there's no guarantee that you would even get your money back on a single family home that you bought in foreclosure. So sure. there, there's no bottom, you know, keep, houses keep going down. So I freaked out in the retrospect. That's a bad move. Should have actually lowered them up. But then again, I was young and didn't have any experience in the United States and didn't have any mentors sure. to you know, show me what the future can be. But in the retrospect, I would have loaded up. Uh, I should have loaded up more. But then again, in 2011, we had this double dip recession. And then uh, 2012 is when we actually see secular growth. And that is when I started uh, buying single family homes. After uh, I used to buy one, buy one every other month. And then once I get to 20, that is when I decided, okay, this is not the way to scale up. And also Fannie Mae cut you off, right? I mean, sure. before the Great Recession, there was no limit on number of Fannie Mae loans you can get on your rentals. But after recession, they cut you off at 20, 10 as spouse. Sure. Mm. After that, I mean, there's just not enough deals where 
I can actually make a good cash flow. We were spoiled, right? Because we bought in 2012, 2007, great cash flow, 25% cash on cash and all that. By 2015, I see 8% cash flow. And I was like, hey, what, what is that? I mean, why would I do that, right? Right, right. So right. stopped single family, looked at different things, actually, you know, um, um, looked at laundromats, seven yes. linens and all that and all I, all the while i was what i was looking for is a passive way to generate cash flow but they're all jobs and i already have a job and i'm not looking for a second job sure mm. then i came back into real estate and then started looking where i can get apply myself and get started with apartments apartments sure. you made a lot of sense right i mean whatever happens in the country people still need their apartment right and sure. also if you cater to the workforce housing they, there is always the demand so that is where i got started took a partner ramana in 2016 and we together have syndicated 13 existing multifamily deals uh, 3000 units about 300 million dollars uh, in uh, um, uh, value mm -hmm. and we already sold three of them and we still have 10 of them uh, sure. primarily mm -hmm. in dfw we have some experience in oklahoma not a great market but we still turn a good profit for our investors uh, did one deal in glendale arizona did excellent excellent over there um, and then uh, lately we bought one deal in uh, Denver, Colorado, but other than these three deals, all our um, deals are concentrated in DFW, proper DFW, sure. uh, in uh, Dallas and Turn counties. Sure. We did really well, uh, but you know, once this COVID hits, uh, our world changed, right? Our world changed. Sure. Sure. Um, again, we, are, we know what we are getting into, right? I mean, th these are workforce housing and sure. most of the people, they live paycheck to paycheck. Right. Absolutely. So and if something happens to the paycheck, they can't pay the rent. And now uh, to make it worse, right. In 2008, when we had the recession, hmm. the pain was felt by everybody. Right. One time I heard a CEO of a company who got laid off or lost a job and started delivering pizzas. Well, that's the proof. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, that's true. Google that's it. True. You, you, you'll find it. Absolutely. That's the proof that it hit everybody. But now yeah. this recession is way different. Right. You and I are okay, and most of you know, our colleagues are okay. We're not feeling the pain other than the annoyance of sitting at home all the sure. time, right? Mm -hmm. But the people, the real America out there, uh, the workforce, they got hurt pretty bad. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And there is this political, politically also, there is no cohesion between the two groups in the DC, and they took their own sweet time to pass the, you know, the, the, the help, right? The sure. assistance. July is when the assistance ran out. They didn't do anything August, September, October, November, and they just passed in late December, right? Sure, sure. So all this while, what is happening is it is causing the delinquency to go up, right? True. And furthermore, uh, there is this eviction moratoriums and people sitting at home doing stuff. I mean, the crime goes up uh, and then they call all sorts of problems. So, you know, kids, they got nothing to do. So they go put rocks in the stones in the sewer pipes, causing them to go up. I'm just giving you uh, examples of sure. all the headaches. Sure, sure. By itself, each one of them is okay. But when all of them comes through at hit you at the same time, uh, over a big portfolio, like right now, we still own 2,600 units just in Dallas. Hmm. So it, it just can get you, right? I mean, this is not an excellent time to be in the business uh, post-COVID. But sure. I'm sure that it will recover. And also one other thing that we are paying attention to is our expense load. Mm -hmm. One thing which is happening in these days is like where nobody is giving us a break on expenses, right? Sure, the tax sure. guy wants his piece, insurance wants his piece, which are going quite a bit, by the way. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
payrolls going up, nothing is going down, sure. but your income is at risk, right? Because uh, the delinquency goes up, you can't sure. evict people. Yep. Right now, the whole United States is functioning like California, right? We used to laugh at California. Oh, you know, you can't evict people that well, we can't evict them here too. Yeah, true, true, very true, very true. <laughs> right? So yeah, with these things in light, so we pivoted to construction. And if you see what's happening in construction, there is this insatiable demand in this construction, class A construction, right? Quality, mm -hmm. where, where mm -hmm. there's quality. And the other day I was seeing that there was a 250 unit transaction traded in Carrollton, mm -hmm. brand new classic construction. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the co-stars sent me the report and I was curious who bought it. And somebody bought it and they Googled them and turns out they're a private equity company out of uh, Lebanon. Lebanon, <laughs> like really, I mean, they want to start in Dallas. What that? If you think about it, what's going on there? Lebanon, right? It's not a very stable sure. area. Mm -hmm. So money is trying to maybe get out of there, you know, and sure. they want to be in Dallas owning a class A property, right? Sure, sure. I mean, that's just an example. I'm not saying that all Lebanese are coming and buying up US. Sure, sure, sure. A lot of international interest and even in domestically there's so many organizations who want to sink their money in these assets hard assets right so that actually um prompted me to double down on construction this is the time right? because they are doing well i mean if you think about it a developer is doing exactly what he was doing 10 years ago sure but getting paid a lot more now than sure. 10 years back because with the compressed cap rates and all that. Sure, sure. As long as you build in a decent uh, metros and a decent areas, uh, we'll do very well for our investors um, in the construction too. So that's the pivot. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for that detailed explanation, Venkat. Now, uh, rolling back a little bit, Venkat, uh, let's go back to your sort of your formation years as to when you got started and things like that. Uh, could you share your advice with, let's say, newer investors as to what's the best way to get started? Is it a mentor or you sort of uh, work with a company, uh, learn the ropes of the business? What would you say to some of that? Because it seems multifamily in general is a very sort of a team sport there are a lot of uh, you know uh, different ends of it so would be curious to know your thoughts and you know for a newbie that who who would like to get started what would some of those initial steps they can take absolutely good question so here's this is my take on this right so when i decided to do multifamily i inquired what's the prices they say that's 5 million that's 10 million so i said okay 20% is what a million there, two million. Well, I don't have that cash. Right. So it immediately dawned upon me that I got to syndicate these properties, right? So sure. uh, I syndicated 15 deals, 13 existing and two construction, actually 16 deals, uh, 13 existing and three construction deals. And together I raised $85 million, $100,000 a piece, right? I mean, from sure. investors, individual investors, just like you and me. Sure. And when you realize that you have to go syndicate and take money from all these people. And some of that is a good amount of that is retirement funds. Sure. Mm -hmm. There's a lot riding on this thing. We cannot make mistakes and we cannot learn on job, right? Sure. It's not our money. It's our investors money. Sure. So it is business. Um, so when that dawned upon me, I quickly got myself a mentor because my background is not real estate when I was getting started. My background was IT, right? Sure. And mm -hmm. only experience I have was single family with my own money mm -hmm. and at a very good valuations and all that, right? So sure. I didn't cut my teeth on anything. Sure. So I want a mentor who cut his teeth on something, especially 2008 fiasco, right? The sure. whole mm -hmm. uh, thing. And I want to learn from them. 
sure. right? Mm-hmm. What did they learn? And I find myself a mentor and learn quite a bit, but sure. it doesn't have to be like where you join a group or anything, anybody mm-hmm. who's willing to mentor you. But sure. the good part about the groups is they help you the most when you are most vulnerable, right? Well, when we are vulnerable because you don't know where to, how to get started, who to call. I mean, nothing. Sure. Right? sure. But when you join a group, you definitely have, you can learn from mentor, but you can learn from so many people just like you around trying to work towards the same goal. Sure. And that sure. is how I met my partner, right? Ramna, I met mm-hmm. in the group. So for me, it really worked out. But awesome. with one caveat, mm-hmm. don't stay too long in the groups. Sure. Right. Um, treat them. This is an analogy I tell the newbies, right? Treat these groups as a stinky urinal that you must use when you're stranded somewhere. <laughs> you're stranded somewhere, you got you you need a restroom, right? I mean, sure. stinky or not, right? But you go there, do your business, come out. Don't stay too longer. That that's not a five star hotel. <laughs> and I say that because not in a bad uh, bad energy or anything like that, sure. but it's these groups are set up for their own well being. Yes, sure. of course they charge you, they'll help you and all that. Sure. But the game is always pegged towards the house. So don't stay too long. You don't need it also, right? I mean, just sure. get out and just leave the space for somebody else new to come take it. And that is why I, that is what I tell about people with jobs also. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs jobs. I mean, you, you have to accumulate capital to go do something, right? Sure, sure. So don't overstay in it, right? I mean, sure. once, once you have enough, just wicked that and leave that spot for somebody else and come go do your, build your own wealth. Kind of thing. Excellent advice. Excellent so advice. That is what I tell about the groups also. Nothing wrong with the groups. Just, just just don't stay too long in that. So that is how I started, right? Otherwise, I just couldn't pull much of enough confidence to mm. take anybody's money because I'm, I'm scared. Mm. What if I lose it, mm. right? Mm. So for that purpose, it helped me. But I have seen several successful people who didn't join any group or anything like that, sure. but somebody else was willing to mentor them. One way or the other, you need to work with a mentor or, or have you know, taught by a mentor or something, right? Because sure, sure. we just don't have enough time in our life to make all the mistakes that you can possibly make. Absolutely. Constantly, right? Uh, so that has to be avoided. So working with a mentor will, will expedite your learning, the confidence in, in making decisions quite a bit. Sure, sure. Now, speaking about markets, Venkat, uh, I know significant uh, of your holdings have been in pretty much a uh, Dallas, which we consider as a primary market you know, pretty much low cap rates and things like that. But how, what about, uh, are your thoughts about like, let's say the secondary or tertiary markets, or perhaps just, there are some, uh, you know, some markets we can say that, hey, these are just pure cash flowing markets and things like that. What, what are your thoughts on some of those? Like, you know, I know you exited your deal uh, from Oklahoma within a short time, you said, right? Uh, like, could you maybe kind of share your uh, sort of thoughts around why you like to own in a primary market versus perhaps uh, just some cash flowing uh, sub markets and things like that? So one thing's for sure, it got to be Sunbelt. For me, right? There's sure. some people who own in uh, other areas. That's okay. But Sunf- see, we cannot fight government. Right. That that's simple. Right. So that's my first criteria. I only want to buy where the government is on or at least fair doesn't I don't need them on my side, but fair to both landlord and the tenant. Right. Sure. That's important mm-hmm. for me. the second thing is um, Texas was a great market. We had a great run. Right. I mean, uh, coming out of the recession, Texas grew quite a bit because of all the immigration that we had with the, both the jobs and the population. Sure. So we benefited a lot. Mm-hmm. But a lot many people 
who are just coming into Texas right now don't understand one thing. Texas is a high property tax state. Mm -hmm. Our property tax is like in the top three or five. Number one is New Jersey, sure. but we are not much far apart. And why mm -hmm. is that? Because Texas doesn't have uh, state tax, state income tax. Sure. Mm -hmm. And we do have some sales tax, but state income tax is a big revenue source that they have given up. Sure. And overall, if you look at the overall tax load, Texas is still lowest among a lot of states. We're mm -hmm. still on the on a good side, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, most of this tax burden is pushed towards the property tax states. Sure. And I always feel like I'm a tax collector for the great state of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> because I, they, they tax me first, I write the check, and then maybe I can go collect if my tenant is willing to pay or if sure. the federal government let me evict those who doesn't pay. Maybe, true, true, maybe true. I'll be able to collect. So that's in the situation right now. And this was always the case. It's not mm. a new development, but we mm. didn't feel that because the rents are going up quite a bit. Everybody's mm. paying rent, economy was good, right? So we didn't feel that. But suddenly after COVID, we find ourselves in a bit of a pinch where we see that the property taxes and insurance is another thing. Uh, we are blessed with these constant hurricanes every single year, and they all doesn't have to hit Dallas, right? Sure. Even to hit Houston or anywhere, it's all one market, right? Sure. And lots sure. of carriers have left the market. They're sick and tired of taking loss year after year. Sure. And now there are only fewer carriers, and now they have jacked up the prices so much that it's just not making sense. Mm -hmm. so taxes and insurance are pretty, pretty high in Texas, sure. right? Mm -hmm. But again, this is not a bashing Texas, right? It's overall tech tax load on a citizen sure. is still lower than any other state. Sure, sure, right? sure, sure. Most of these taxes is pushed towards the property tax. And, and, and you know, unfortunately, we are in, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we are um, facilitating yes. the tax collection for the state. Sure, so sure. That said, I'm looking at outside Texas uh, for B and C. Again, class A, not a big deal because, you know, you have, you're creating so much value by adding, by building on dirt, right? Mm -hmm. So basically you're doing a deep value add to dirt sure. and voila, you have a building, right? Sure. Which sure. is a very desirable building, a lot many people. So you have enough margin in class A where you don't have to worry too much about taxes and insurance. Mm -hmm. But B and C, there is this tremendous demand for people to buy all these B and C properties and they're just bidding them up and the mar margins are razor thin Mm -hmm. And we cannot deal with this high taxes and insurance. That is the issue. So I myself is looking at primary markets in Western states, Colorado, Denver, mm -hmm. um, Las Vegas, um, uh, Idaho, Utah. These are the states where I want to buy existing. And most of the reason is it low taxes. Sure. Low taxes and especially mm -hmm. Colorado, much mm -hmm. higher rents. You know, we bought a 50 unit in Colorado, 1963 built. Mm -hmm. The rents are 1450. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And the brand new property that we are building in Austin Metro, our rents are for twelve fifty. I mean, interesting. You see, I mean, <laughs> so there are better markets out there, which gives you a better risk to reward ratio, where your rents are high, expenses are low. It's as simple. There's no big thing about it. It's like you have to maximize your income and minimize your expenses, right? Sure, I mean, those sure. markets are offering us better risk to reward ratio. And also one thing I like about Western markets is we are away from this New York mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> because you don't have to compete from all the New York buyers sure. who are trying to flee that market. Mm -hmm. We will have some stiff competition from California, but I, I'd rather choose this than the other way. Interesting. Uh, New York mm -hmm. money mostly goes into number one, Texas, Charlotte, mm -hmm. Tennessee, Florida, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and uh, Huntsville, Alabama lately. Sure. I love all those markets. It's just that I choose to, I don't want to be spread too thin. Uh, We're not that big companies. No, there's reward to being a contrarian and, you know, winning your battle in places where uh, possibly other folks may not be looking, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Now, going back to your construction thesis, Venkat, right? Uh, Give us some details on why you are moving or why you have chosen to adopt a classic construction there. Like, what is your investment thesis around that? Absolutely. So again, it goes to my earlier point. Uh, so let's let's consider two avatars. Mm-hmm. One guy is a syndicator, BNC properties, and the other guy is, is a developer, right? Mm-hmm. We'll not talk about class A, owning class A's, because that's more like an institutional game. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yields are super thin and that's a, a whole different ball game. Yes. Yeah, a whole different ball game, which is not our ball game, right? So our ball game is either do a B and C class uh, apartments or go to build a class A. The fact of the matter remains that I want to see where I feel safe in generating the return I project for my investors. Again, mm-hmm. number one, I mean, we got to keep our, like uh, Jeff Bezos says, mm-hmm. Start with investors and with investors. I mean, always like your customer, right? I mean, he says sure. customer, he doesn't say investor. For us, our investors are our customers. Sure. So you always have to think about it. Where would I keep their money so that I can hit my projections and where I have favorable risk to reward ratios, right? I mean, sure. I always think that. And BNC was the place to be all these days, right? Mm-hmm. Because construction mm-hmm. is... Um, you know, you got to build it, right? You got to complete it. <laughs> so it's, sure. it's, it's uh, dollar to dollar. It's more riskier a construction deal than an existing multifamily. But now I personally feel that construction actually gives you much more better risk to reward ratio than existing because of the operational risk. We mm-hmm. talked about it, right? I sure, mean, moratoriums, sure. uh, lack of affordable homes, right? I mean, lack sure. of affordable housing, uh, insurance, taxes, and all that. Sure, sure. I feel much more comfortable doing a construction deal. So hit my uh, my numbers and also actually pay more to investors, right? Sure. What I'm seeing is on existing multifamily about 15 IRR, right? Mm-hmm. On construction deals, it's more like 21 IRR. Yes, there's no depreciation on year number one. Yes, there is no cash flow, but unless you absolutely need cash flow, I mean, I'm putting my dollars on the construction side. I don't need that cash flow, sure. that 8% mm-hmm. or something like that. I actually want to grow my money in a safe manner. So I feel that, I mean, I clearly see that um, because um, if you see the life of this the, uh, uh, syndicator who does BNC, mm-hmm. every passing year, more and more people are coming in and trying to buy this BNC class. It became easy. Very Five true. years back, it was not this easy. True. Right now it's easy. The barriers of entries is going down and down and down. True. And now, thanks to these, um, uh, technology and all that, there's like 10 people taking down a big deal. They each bring a million or two. Sure. I don't, I, I'm not condoning that's the right practice to do, but it is happening whether I like it or not, right? Sure, so sure. Uh, the, the, the margin gets thinner and thinner and thinner, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So, but if you look at what's happening on the construction side, the margin is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes, sure. there is, uh, land prices are raising. Yes, the uh, con- uh, construction prices are raising. Lumber prices are raising, but not like, not, not compared to not much compared to the money that they are getting for each completed product. The cap rates. Sure. Ten years back, a brand new construction, they could have sell it for seven cap. Right now, we're talking in Austin, MSA. We're talking about three and a half cap. <laughs> that's True. that's nuts, right? Absolutely. So, 
I want to be out of the harm's way and I want to be do what's what gives me better risk to reward ratio where I have a greater chance of success. That's all it is. I see. Thank you. Now, speaking of uh, construction now, Venkat, there are so many elements to it, right? Like, let's say, uh, you know, all the plans, the zoning, you know, getting the uh, developer uh, on board and getting uh, things constructed and all that. Uh, could you maybe go, uh, you know, maybe perhaps one step deeper into how you are executing all these plans and, you know, what sort of uh, partnerships you have built up uh, to execute these projects? Absolutely. Sure. So what I've been doing is I've been aligning myself with very experienced developers. Um, if I think that without education, I can't buy an existing apartment, what makes me think that I can just go build it all by myself? Sure. It's not impossible. It's that, again, the question is investors' money. We are doing this with investors' money and we cannot learn on the job. Sure. I mean, that's a deal breaker for me, right? So I started aligning myself with very experienced developers. Uh, the Dallas project, we aligned with a developer who's, it's, it's their family thing. They've been doing that for 40 years, hmm. just construction projects. And uh, the Austin Metro project that we just closed last week, hmm. uh, this particular developer has built like 8,400 units and been doing it for last 20 years. Wow. And then even before that, he was working for a REIT and has a tremendous experience managing the multifamily. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm aligning myself with those kind of individuals mm -hmm. and actually doing these deals, right? So we, we do these deals together. It's a joint venture. Um, at some point in the future where I'll have enough confidence and enough knowledge where I can put together my deal without anybody else, but that's not today. I want to err on the side of caution. Again, mm -hmm. if it's my money, probably I'll just do it all by myself. But mm -hmm. uh, since this is investors' money, safety is like number one, right? Sure. sure. So uh, again, my thesis is to build in primary markets. And again, uh, what's happening is like this automation, outsourcing, all these jobs which used to need a lot of people. It just take agriculture, right? 20 years back, 30 years back, you need so many people sure. to form a big piece of land. You don't need that anymore because of the automation, sure. right? Mm -hmm. And also, um, let's take Walmart. Three years ago, four years ago, there used to be human tellers, uh, not tellers, right? I mean, the people who ring sure, us sure. up. The right? cash register. Well, if you right. go see right now, those jobs are gone. That's automation, sure. right? Sure. Mm -hmm. so for that person who used to work at Walmart for $15 an hour, some benefits and all that, Suddenly, that job is lost in a tertiary market. It's really hard for him to find another job, right? True. In, in, in city, you lose this job, you can find next job maybe next week or next month, but you will find one, right? So what's happening is like people are moving into these bigger metros. Mm -hmm. If you fast forward 50 years from now, I think... 90% of the world's population will live in cities across the, across the world. I'm not just talking about our country because mm -hmm. people have to live together so that they can support themselves and their families with jobs and all that. Um, and everybody will be like, everything will be efficient, right? So I believe in investing in big cities. Mm -hmm. Now, I've seen some people who have uh, experience in tertiary markets and secondary markets, mm -hmm. but they have this advantage of knowledge of that one market. Maybe they went to school there, maybe they, they lived there or whatever. If you have some specialized knowledge and know exactly where to buy, the, the margin of error becomes much thinner as you go into secondary into tertiary. So you got to sure. snipe. You cannot use a shotgun and, okay, let's buy 2,000 units in a small market. You can't do that. Sure, sure. But snipe. If you know how to snipe, I don't know how to snipe. 
So that's why I don't go there, right? But if somebody who knows how to snipe and find that one perfect project in that 30,000 uh, or 40,000 population, sure. do that. I, I'm not opposed to it at all. Hmm. But but I want to be on the safer side to stay with these primary markets. Sure. Hmm. Then I look for this thing. When I try to look up a construction project, what is it for tenants? Why would somebody live here, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to go into in infill side where I pay $300 per foot and just stack the units up and all, especially in the post-COVID area. Sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not there, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not there. Maybe I'm 20 years away from it. I just don't know how to do them and I cannot mitigate the risk myself, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. I'm away from those things. Where I want to be is just outside where all the party is and let the progress come to me. So our very first project in construction was in uh, Princeton, uh, mm -hmm. which is just seven miles away from McKinney. McKinney is a very hot market, $2 per foot rents. Mm -hmm. And we once this uh, Princeton is built, we're going to offer rents at $1.50, $1.50 a foot. Sure. Mm -hmm. so if somebody is willing to drive seven miles east on US Highway 380, mm -hmm. they can get a 25% discount on rent. Now that makes sense, sure. right? Mm -hmm. Sort of, um, uh, on a thousand square feet, um, just for ease, right? Sure, Instead sure. of 1500, they have to pay 2000 over there. So sure. affordability is important, right? Absolutely. So makes sense to me. And also they're building uh, the Princeton's uh, city hall and everything right in front of us. So we're in a great area there. So sure. there should be, we cannot go in the middle of nowhere without a story, a logic, right? Sure, sure. And if you look at our Austin project, what we are doing there is we're 20 miles south of downtown Austin. Austin mm. rents are $2,600 mm. and our rents will be 1250. And it's a class A, it's not a luxury, mm. but it's class A. You have elevators, sure. it's a three story, but we are still putting elevators. They have a nice pool, gym, club, everything, right? It's mm. a, for all purposes, it's a class A, but it's not a luxury, luxury thing. Sure. But we are giving rents at 1250. Mm. So somebody who's willing to drive 20 miles south, mm. you get 50% discount on your rent. And mm. if you're working in Austin CBD or in and around areas. Sure around highway 35 mm -hmm. so the location and there should be some affordability component to it and when i say affordability i'm not talking about uh, luras or tax no no no, sure, no. Sure, sure, sure. it's mm -hmm. just market rate but still affordable than everything you know, affordable rents basically that is what drives my decision making on what which project i want to jv with interesting now venkat speaking of that right so uh, i assume these are already zoned land for multifamily and things like that so it's more or less for lack of a better word shovel ready that absolutely once, once you acquire you can do your engineering and lay the horizontal uh, sort of the utilities and things like that and perhaps start the vertical yeah. construction all that awesome awesome and from a construction standpoint venkat what is sort of uh, you know sort of a per square foot uh, construction cost for these projects uh, in Austin? So the way to look at it is, um, if I can just generalize a bit, sure. uh, what I'm seeing is 800 to 850 square feet average size. And you can build the hard cost, the actual construction cost, the GC is going to charge us will be around $100 a foot, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you throw in the holding cost, the soft cost, the land cost and all that, you should be able to build around 130 to 140 range. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not talking about in uh, infills. I'm talking about in areas where the growth is coming towards them. Sure. Now, if you go to in hills, it's a whole ball game, ball game right? Sure. Because construction cost also, you got to have to make, let's say, for example, right? I want to go and build an actual Frisco or McKinney, sure. right? Mm -hmm. They're already grown, right? If right. you find land. So you got to, 
you got to pay much higher for the land sure and you got to pay you have to make it much nicer because the tenants there demand those kind of amenities if you're sure. gonna make it just bare minimum class a still class a but just bare minimum they won't go for it right 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 so costs go up the, what i'm taking is again i'm working with somebody who has 40 years experience hmm. in both these cases right mm-hmm. and their wisdom is to i only don't want them hey look I got to hit my numbers, but principal protection is very important for me. Sure, right? sure. That's the first thing. Yep. Now, of course, I'm giving some growth, um, you know, maybe you actually make more money in doing infill, but I, I don't want to be there at this time of the my career, right? Sure, I'll get sure. there at some point, not today. But the projects I'm doing is just a little away from the where the party is sure. and where we let the progress come to us, mm-hmm. right? And still provide a a decent uh, discount in rent for them compared to the main CBDs. So with that in mind, we're doing around $100 a foot in the hard cost. Mm-hmm. And uh, the overall cost per unit will be, assuming you don't pay more than $10,000 a unit for the raw land, mm-hmm. you'll be around 130, 135 a door. I see, right? that's all, all said and done, including- All said and done. And the idea is to sell it around 40 to 50. Uh, 50 is a little stretch, but 40, 40,000 uh, is the markup. And that is the kind of markup we used to get on single family homes, mm-hmm. right? Our Arizona property, we paid 66 and got out at 95 a door in like two years. <laughs> and we barely did anything to it, right? right. So if, that can, if I can do that, I don't want to do construction. I want to go do that. Right, right. right now, everything is five cap, four cap, three cap uh, with growing expenses, income not so much. If you get in something at 120 a door, it's not like somebody's going to come and bail you out at 150 a door in the sure. workforce housing, right? Sure, sure, it sure, may sure. happen, but again, we cannot just uh, uh, bet on long shots here, right? Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, and you cannot time the market as you rightfully say. Yeah, right, right. there you go. So that's why I want to be in a construction where I'm actually creating the value and I, I don't underwrite anything less than, even our Austin Metro property, we only underwrite at five cap rate. You can't even buy a C-class at five cap rate today. True, true, Austin very Metro. true. Right, but we, we feel very comfortable about our numbers on that. So that's why I draw confidence out of that. I feel good about doing those concert bonds at this part of the time. And I'm not saying that the things won't reverse in another five years, but I can only see what's happening today. Sure, 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 sure. Sounds good, sounds good. Thank you, Venkat. Uh, any last parting thoughts, advice for newer syndicators uh, from your uh, vantage point? Well, oh, this is what I would say, right? Multifamily is awesome, right? No doubt about it. But don't fall in too much love with a specific asset class or a, or a vintage or anything like that. Always be, real estate more goes in cycles, right? Sure. Cycles. And if anything, Warren Buffet says that you got to be greedy when everybody's afraid and we got to be afraid when everybody's greedy, right? Sure, so sure. you got to think a little bit of contrarian as well. Sure. That is what I have done in this year. I mean, COVID taught me that. Who knew that in Texas, you cannot evict people for not paying rent? Not in a million years, anybody would have thought of this. True. But hey, here we are, right? Right, right. So don't fall too much in love with any particular asset class and all that. Be nimble, especially if you're syndicating, you got to watch out. Your first criteria should be where, where I can generate maximum return for the least risk for your investor. Sure. And, and for me, I'm even looking at alternative investments like I'm, I'm about to do a small fund. 
and that fund will be geared towards single family, which is the hottest asset class right now, right? Again, the spiel on that is March, this come March, it'll be 12 years since COVID hit us. Hmm. All the people who took us 12 month forbearance, hmm. their note is due. They have to pay 12 months worth of payments in this sure. March. Sure. And they won't have that money, right? So they'll end up selling it. So now I want to be there to buy those homes of them, quickly do something with them and sell, right? This this business plan won't last for next 10 years. This is an opportunistic investor, right? But good risk to reward ratio. Um, And I want to do this in Phoenix. So that is one of the things I'm looking at. And uh, a PTR. BTR is is really good. Built to rent, which hmm. is your same apartment complex, but you sure. don't stack them. You just spread them around, right? Single sure. 700 square feet house there like that. You build about 10 per, 10 per acre. So that is one other thing I'm looking at. So be very nimble. Don't fall in love with any particular asset class and all that because it goes up and down in cycles. The only thing that we have to be married to is the principle that go after the investments which offer you best risk to reward ratio. That's sure. all Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Venkat. This is the smart advice and the smart brain that you bring to table all the time. So I appreciate your time and it's been a pleasure. Uh, Please tell our listeners how they can find you and learn more about your company. Sure. Uh, They can go to our website at ravenmultifamily.com or A-V-E-N like the bird, uh, multifamily, one word, dot com. Or uh, they can email me at Venkat, V-E-N-K-A-T, at ravenmultifamily.com or they can reach me on my phone at 281-727-9238. Awesome. Thank you, Venkat. And thank you for viewers and listeners for listening to the show. Uh, We always have such great guests like Venkat all the time, or you can always find us at premiumcashflow.com where you will find articles, all our podcasts and any other opportunities. If you're interested, you can enroll in the investor club as well. So thank you for taking time. I appreciate your time, Venkat, today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.